the reason for this is to streamline things, right? I don't want to have to airdrop files. I don't want to have to transfer files. All of those things cost me time. And I only have about a three hour window to do all of my filming. My process is all about optimizing and streamlining. Welcome back to On The Horizon. This is Melrose Michaels. I am your host and I'm here to share what's worked for me in building my adult creator business to try to make building yours just a little bit easier. Let's get into today's episode. Who misses free and affordable ads without the anti-sex work rhetoric? Assembly 4 is a team of sex workers and technologists from Melbourne, Australia, aiming to bring back free and fair advertising to the sex work community. They also give back to organizations based in harm reduction, sex work, and education. Stepping away from the clunky design of traditional platforms, their platform, Trist.link, is a refreshing and well-needed change in both presentation and mission. It's free to join and open to all. In the words of an A4 user, from the policies to the language to the advice and tips, it makes such a big difference to feel supported and encouraged instead of policed. Hello, everyone. This week's topic is creating, editing, organizing, and distributing your adult content. And this is something that I get asked a lot about personally because I do put out a lot of content. If you are familiar with me or the way I run my pages personally, I came up kind of during the premium Snapchat era where you put out a brand new full length, you know, 10 minute or so video every single day to your Snapchat subscribers. And I've kind of carried that with me throughout my next, you know, phase of my career. And I do treat my OnlyFans in that fashion where I put out a new video um, pretty much every single day. If I'm sick or something terrible comes up, I do post a rerun. I'm, I am human. Um, but for the most part, uh, every month on my pages, you're getting between 20 and 30 new videos. So because I do run my pages that way and I do put out such a large amount of content compared to other creators, for this reason, I really had to streamline and optimize the way I create organize and distribute my content. So I do feel pretty qualified to speak on this topic. And I do hope that some of the way I run my own processes and systems can help you who are listening in. So with all that being said, let's just get right into it. So I often get asked how I create and organize my content as an adult creator, just like I mentioned, because I do put out and distribute so much of it and across so many platforms. Currently, right now, I am distributing content to my OnlyFans free page, my OnlyFans paid page, to Sex Panther, to Manny Vids, and to Fan Central. So every new item of content or, or piece of content gets distributed amongst all of those places. So I do want to take time in today's space to discuss just what my process looks like so that if anything I do could be helpful for you, you can then incorporate it into your own business. So first off, I want to discuss the physical act of creating content itself. So as I've mentioned a few times over, I do strictly create content from my iPhone. And this isn't because I don't have fancy $1,000 cameras. I do. My husband is actually a photographer, so we have a lot of those very you know capable tools at my disposal. But I do it because I'd rather shoot on my phone as it streamlines my process and gives me a high enough quality regardless. So as long as you're shooting with your rear camera on most iPhones or smartphones, you're likely filming in 1080, which is what most platforms currently have as their highest playback quality that they're even capable of. So I never recommend shooting in 4K on your smartphone, even if you do have that capability, just because when you upload it to most of these platforms, it's going to get 
compressed back down to 1080 regardless. And shooting in 4K only makes your content harder to upload, harder to transfer, harder to export into any kind of editing software or, you know, cloud software to save it and organize it potentially. So basically any kind of shooting above 1080 is really just going to slow you down. And if you're creating a lot of content similarly to how I do, this probably is just going to be a detriment rather than something that helps you. So always create in 1080 and I prefer to shoot my phone. So when I'm shooting content on my phone, what I usually have is a tripod that I'll set up and I do this in 16.9 landscape format, the same way that you know, OnlyFans and most other adult platforms natively play content. If you do shoot content vertically, it's going to have the spaces on the sides of it or the black bars on the left and right side of your vertical content, which will then be centered in the middle of the screen, which fans usually dislike because overall they get a smaller size video. And for this reason, I always shoot 16.9. And then if I do need a vertical version of the video, I'll simply re-edit it in 916 or like Instagram or Snapchat style story format at a later time. That also gives me the capability of editing it um, so everything is centered on the screen. This for me, I, I just hands down 69 is always the way to go because then you're, you know, you can post to Pornhub if you do that. You can post to clip sites if you do that. That vertical video is really going to be a detriment unless it serves a specific purpose. So for that reason, I stick to 69 shooting. And if I need anything else, I'll just simply edit that at a later time. If you're enjoying this podcast episode so far, please take one moment to share it with another one of your adult content creator friends, because you know what the rule is here. We do not gatekeep and we want to make as many adult creators businesses as easy as possible. And you sharing this episode with them might do exactly that. Thanks so much in advance. So once you have your phone and your tripod, and you're using your rear-facing camera, so that's aimed at where you're going to be positioned, the next step I do is that I mirror my iPhone to my MacBook so that I can see the framing of myself on my MacBook screen, even though I'm filming with my rear camera. So I'll typically have my MacBook on a little stool or maybe like a little table propped up behind where my camera and my tripod is set up to film. This way I can see with my peripheral vision whether I'm in the frame or not. Um, so to mirror from iPhone, all you have to do is swipe down on the top right corner of your iPhone screen and look for an icon that has two boxes diagonal of each other. That is the icon for mirroring, and it should be slightly to the left of your brightness slider if you're on iPhone. If you select it, it's going to display all the available devices locally to mirror the phone to. Usually I'll select my MacBook, and I'm sure Android phones probably have a similar capability as well. I would assume they're pretty much, you know, par for par with an iPhone these days as well. So I'm sure this is capable, although I don't know the steps to, to communicate it properly because I've always been an iPhone and a Mac girl myself. So once I have my iPhone mirrored to my MacBook and I can see myself playing back on my MacBook screen in the, you know, distance of the tripod where my phone is set up, then I'm going to set up my lights and then be begin filming. So for me, I prefer a specific iPhone light instead of a ring light these days. This specific light keeps me lit well without drowning out any background lights, like colored lights I might be using. This way I'm, you know, lit well, I look great, the shadows are off my face. But if I'm using some sort of LED or background lighting that's colored, I don't want my foreground lighting to drown it out. So for this reason, again, I stick to this little clip-on light. I actually do all of my filming these days with a, this little clip-on light. It's my favorite thing and I have a, I have a massive lighting setup that I just don't use anymore because I love the way this looks. It almost gives 
kind of a vignette look to your content where the edges are a little bit darker, where you're beautifully lit and any colored lights are going to come through really vividly in the background. So for this reason, again, I am obsessed with this clip-on light. I also use it when I'm taking calls on Sex Panther because it makes the background of my room or my space very dim, but it makes me look very vibrant and bright. And then in terms of lighting, when it comes to colored lighting, the only thing I use right now for colored lighting is one of those really cheap sunset lamps. Um, and I'll play that in the, or I'll have that lit in the background with whatever color I need. So the only current, you know, colored lighting I use is like a $15 sunset lamp. And then if I'm not using any kind of lighting and I'm just shooting a natural light, I'm usually positioned somewhere where there's a really big window or a, in a room in my house that gets a ton of natural light. And that's literally my complete lighting setup. It's either that $35 clip-on light from Amazon, it's a $15 sunset lamp, or it's literally a window in my room. So once I have the iPhone set up, I have it mirrored, and I have my lighting set how I'd like it for this particular scene. Then I begin shooting my videos. When I begin shooting my videos, especially in iPhone, the first thing I do is I shoot with cinematic mode on my iPhone. So if you were to go into your iPhone camera, open up the app, you'll see that you can open it to the regular video setting. But if you swipe the screen, you also have additional settings like slow-mo, like cinematic. I love, love, love to work different modes of filming into my videos. So I shoot in cinematic mode, usually at the beginning of my videos. I'll shoot some things in slow-mo, like me flipping my hair, if there's any music I'm going to be dancing to, and things like that. And then I'll shoot the core explicit part of my content in regular video mode. And I'm going to explain this, why, the reasoning, in a second. So the reason I start in cinematic mode is because it adds a really great depth of field to your content. That means that I appear in focus while my background does not, which is really what high-quality cameras do in content that makes it feel really impressive. So if you shoot with your phone this way and incorporate some of that cinematic mode, you're also going to have that really impressive high-quality depth of field feel. So I only shoot certain things in that cinematic mode because when it comes to, like I said, that really explicit content, you're going to want the entire frame in focus. So for example, if you're shooting like a masturbation video, you're going to want your genitals to also be in focus the same as your face because the fans are going to be looking to both areas of the frame of the content. So when I'm shooting like that part of my content, I will pause, I'll stop filming, I'll swipe back to normal video mode, and then I'll continue filming from there. The absolute worst thing you can do is shoot an entire video in cinematic mode just to watch it back and then realize that your face is in focus the entire time, but the actual action is completely out of focus. Um, your fans will hate it. You'll be really disappointed in yourself. Please don't do that. I have learned that mistake the hard way and I'm trying to pass along my wisdom. So after I've shot all of my content, the actual clips and the, you know, the, the core of the content, everything's shot and filmed. Now what I'm going to do is I'm going to take it into editing. So when I edit all of my content on my iPhone, which is how I do it, I don't export it anywhere, I edit right on my iPhone. What I do, again, this the reason for this is to streamline things, right? I don't wanna have to airdrop files, I don't wanna have to transfer files, all of those things cost me time, and I only have about a three hour window to do all of my filming in a single day, and that's content not just for you know my Melrose brand, that's also content for Sexworks CEO, that's shooting content for the Networthy clothing line, that's everything. So. My process is all about optimizing and streamlining. So when I have all my content done and shot, I used to edit all of my content in an app called InShot app, I-N-S-H-O-T app. And I still use that app from time to time for other purposes. But right now, what I'm currently editing is actually CapCut app. 
You've probably heard of CapCut app. It's owned by TikTok, I believe. And they usually have templates for creating TikToks within this app. You can also use it for regular editing, however, as well. So InShot app, I usually recommend this if you're just starting out because it's extremely user-friendly and it's it's got a very fast learning curve. It's easy to find where things are in the app, figure out what things do in the app. InShot is a super, super beginner-friendly app to start editing on. However, because I'm using CapCut currently and it has some more advanced features, that's where I'm going to import my content into. So once I have all my content shot, I will import it into CapCut app. And again, this app is fairly user-friendly overall, but if you're a brand new beginner, I'd still recommend starting on InShot. So now I'm ready to begin editing. So the first thing I'm gonna do is I'm going to slide my clips slowly across the screen so you can preview them quickly without having to hear them and actually play it out. Typically, we call this scrubbing the content. You just slowly move your finger across the timeline to move the content very quickly across the screen so you can preview it. So as I'm moving my clips slowly, or scrubbing my clips, I can quickly identify the parts of the content that I wanna remove or cut out. So when I come across something that I don't like or I want to cut it out, then I will just tap the clip or select the clip by tapping on it. And then at the bottom, I can select the edit button and then the split button. These, this action will clip off that original content at the point that I wanted and then I can delete it. So I basically continue this process of selecting the part of the clip clicking the edit button, clicking the split button, and trimming off all the bits of the content that I don't like until I've removed all the blatant parts that I didn't want to include in the final edit. The next thing I'm gonna do is I'm going to slide my video all the way to the end because CapCut always tries to sneak in a black end screen with their logo and watermark on it, and we don't do free promo for services we pay for. So <laughs> this is where I will typically delete that black CapCut end screen, and all you have to do is tap on the end screen and then delete it. Then I will click the plus sign on the right of that and then add a plain black screen back in its place without the CapCut logo. So when you click the plus tab, a screen's gonna come up and you're gonna have two, um, two tabs at the top that you can click on. One will say recent and it'll show your phone's camera roll, but the other tab will say stock photos. I tap on that and then the second option shows you a black end screen, which I then select that option so that it gets applied to the end of my video and I click add. So that is how I remove the CapCut end screen and add my own just generic plain black end screen. The next part of the process for me when it comes to editing is that I tap on my clips or I tap off of my clips, I'm sorry, tap off of my clips so that none are selected, at which point a white box will appear in between your clips. And if you tap on the white box, it brings up the option to add transitions between your clips. I usually pick the mixed transition because that looks like a nice crossfade. And then I'll select apply to all, which is at the bottom left, so that all those transitions are applied to every part of my video where I've spliced it to edit and remove something, including the fading to black on the end screen that we just added. So now it'll have this beautiful crossfade that fades to black at the end of the video, which is something I do on all my content. The next step for me during the editing process is that I typically will add any music or filters or do any color correction if I wanna take the video in that direction and go, you know, that polish. But really the next step is just to export the content. So I export from CapCut app in 1080p quality. Once I have that full version saved to my phone, I will then like go back into the project and I will pick a spot about a minute or, you know, 30 seconds, 45 seconds in, and I will delete all the clips beyond that point to create a trailer for myself. 
The only thing I don't delete beyond that point is that black end screen again because I want the trailer to also fade to black. So I'll just double check, double check my transition on that last piece before the end screen. And then now I have a full 1080p video. And then I also can save this shorter version, this one minute version, as a trailer to my iPhone as well. So now you should have the complete you know, 1080 trailer and 1080 video saved to your phone. And that is kind of the entire process for me as far as creating the content and editing the content goes. The next part of the process for me is organizing my content. And for this, I like to get it on a computer because I prefer to schedule across multiple platforms from a desktop computer or a laptop. Um, I don't currently schedule my content myself. I do have an assistant that does this for me at this stage of my career. This process has been the same even when I've, I've done it myself. So I'm going to walk you through it the same way as if I was doing it. So when you want to get something to the computer, again, you have to airdrop or transfer files, which I prefer not to do. If you have a MacBook and an iPhone, of course, you can airdrop, but I prefer to take this, this route instead for a couple different reasons, which I'm going to explain. So what I like to do is I like to go into the Telegram messaging app. If you're not familiar with Telegram, there's a lot of reasons to be on it as a adult creator or as a sex worker. Um, one, because Sexwork CEO has a phenomenal Telegram group that you should definitely join um, to get alerts on breaking news and resources. But beyond that, Telegram messaging app is a place to communicate with other creators. It's a place to communicate with your own team, with yourself. And it has a lot of extraordinary features be beyond just a messaging app. So a lot of the sex work and adult community is on Telegram because there's a lot of communities there, like group communities where you can, you know, find people to do share for shares with or shout outs with, etc. But you can also create Telegram channels with yourself. Essentially, I've made a private channel with only myself in it, which means no one else can see what I post there. And that is where I will send myself content from my phone to my private Telegram channel. And then I do this in the order I'm going to post the content on my pages. So I do this for multiple reasons. Telegram channels are easily searchable. So if I ever need to locate a particular piece of content easily or track it down, I can just search my Telegram channel and I can do this on desktop and as well as on my phone, which makes it really, really easy to find. You can always open Telegram up in a web browser on your computer, whether it's a Mac, whether it's a PC, it makes no difference. And then easily download that content from your private Telegram channel to your computer or device. So for those two reasons, I love to organize my content in Telegram. Also, Telegram kind of acts as cloud storage for your content. If you have a paid account, you have additional, you know, more storage. Having it available on my phone, easily accessible in a Telegram channel has made all the difference for finding, locating content and sending it to fans and DMs versus trying to dig through my Dropbox for it. Although I do, like I'll mention here in a bit, I do also get my content into Dropbox as well. I highly recommend a backup to your backup at all times. So once I have everything in my Telegram channel, I will send myself the content in the order I want to post it. I think that's really, really important for how to streamline and optimize your business. So the way that I'll do this is I'll typically make a title of the content, then I'll send, you know, the, the photos of the content, then I'll send the trailer of the content, the explicit video of the content, and I'll do that in whatever order you intend to post that content to your fan site. So you can probably imagine that having all of this in Telegram makes it way easier if you're also working with an assistant like I do, because if someone's going to be helping you schedule content, for example, you can simply add them into this private Telegram channel. This way they have access to all your content. It's organized in the order you want it posted. And you can even include additional notes like how much you want, say, content that's meant for PPV to be priced at. Now, 
In regards to organizing my content further than that, I do have that same personal assistant who's in my private Telegram channel and who schedules my content also as a task uploading said content to Dropbox. So I'll have a Dropbox, which is like the backup to my Telegram backup. And then I have the content in Dropbox organized by folder for each shoot and then subfolders within that folder for the pics from that shoot, the DM content from that shoot, the trailer and full video from that shoot. And that's basically how I organize my content in Dropbox. So that same assistant who for me, and if this is, if you're a solo creator and you don't have help yet, this would just be on you, but the same person who adds the content to my Dropbox and schedules it to my platforms, which again, my current platforms are OnlyFans VIP page, OnlyFans free, Sex Panther, Manny Vids, and Fencentro. All of that information goes into an, an Asana board that me and my assistant have that tracks which videos have been posted and where. Now, Asana is a great program. I highly recommend it. I love their mobile version. However, Asana can get very pricey very quickly. Um, I have a, a pretty large team now that helps me do all the, the things I do between my businesses, and it's probably one of the biggest costs we carry. So if you're not looking for a paid option, please, please, please remember that before I ever used Asana, I used a Google Sheet to track all of my content and where it had been published and distributed. And this Google Sheet is completely available to you on sexworkceo.com for free. And it's basically under our tools and resource tab. And you can just go into that Google Sheet and you can copy it to your own Google Drive and you can use it just as you need to track and distribute your own content. So that resource is and will always be available to you on our website. So this is primarily how I track and distribute all of my content that I create within my adult business. So I'm sure it might sound overwhelming, <laughs> especially because, you know, I explain all of these things verbally as opposed to visually. So I do plan on making a course around this at some point. That's going to be a bit more visual in the future. So that pretty much sums up how I personally create, edit content, organize it, and distribute it across all of my adult, adult platforms. And I'm hoping that something I said in this whole space will be like, oh, I could really use that or I can implement that. But I'm sure that there's a thousand different ways creators listening are also organizing and hacking how they run their businesses. So if you do have any tips or tricks, please, I'm inviting you now to come up and speak. I'd love to you know, share what's working for some of you that maybe I'm not doing or I don't have a necessity to do at the moment um, because I think the more information, the better. But while people are requesting to come up and speak, I just want to kind of recap that all the info we put out here is completely for free. So if you learned something here, please take a moment to share it to your socials so we can impact more creators. Our socials are at sexworkceo on Twitter and Instagram and forward slash SWCEO on YouTube and TikTok. So first, I'm going to bring up Elsie. I might be saying your name wrong, babe. Hello. Hello. Hey. Um, so I have two statements and a question, if that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my first statement is cinematic mode will actually let you pick where the focus is. I use that a lot for mine, and I bounce the focus back and forth from, like, where I want them to focus. And then I can also kind of, like, autofocus on the whole thing. I usually film close up, though, so that may be a little different in your experience. No, for sure. I do know that you can do like an auto lock thing. I just haven't mastered it and I'd hate to give people cinematic mode advice. Yeah. And it, it is time consuming too. Um, but this depends yeah. on what you want. Um, my other thing is for InShot, I recently learned how to extract audio. So say you want to use a TikTok, but you can't get the watermark off. You can upload it into InShot and extract the audio from it and add it to the same clip that you already have. So you would go um, to music and then tap your clip, and then extract will be an option. Perfect. Yeah, no, I've actually used that because I have trouble creating content 
in like editing in the TikTok app, app itself, I find it really just complex. Yeah. So I'll typically record my clips like outside and then I'll do what you're suggesting and add this, the audio separately. So I love that. That's a great mention. And then my question is, why do you add the black screen at the end of your clips? Is that to like avoid like a weird like end shot where it just kind of sits there or what's up with it? Yeah. Yeah, basically. No, because uh, sometimes like depends what clip store you upload to or what fan sites you're using. But I just don't like to leave anything up to chance. So I always fade to black at the end of my videos. And also having that fade to black, I'll usually leave it for like three to five seconds in case, say, like, say it's a really great video or it's a really great trailer, right? We have them fade to black at the end of the trailers, too. Then I can later, if I want to, like, post that trailer to Pornhub or something to drive traffic, I can go in and over that black, you know, fade to black area end screen, I could add, like, text that says my OnlyFans link or some kind of promotion, so I just like to have that available in case I ever need it. I find that I'll need it more often times than I won't. And I, I hate the weird end screen if it's just yeah. like awkward version of my face. <laughs> <laughs> right. I agree. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Thanks for coming up. Okay. We got some comments coming in. Talk about naming our content. So one of the ways I name my content, that's a great question, um, is that I will typically come up with a name that is kind of playful, like a title. This way I can use that same name when my content eventually gets to a clip store. So for example, the other day I did um, a video, a JOI video, like a Gamer Girl JOI. And the way I named it was Gamer Girl JOI. And I think it was like, let's play, let's play or something like that. So I would title it like that. I'll put that in Telegram. And then the first thing I usually send after that is a like, safe for work picture from the shoot. And then I'll send like a not safe for work picture from the shoot. And I always drop the text in Telegram before I put the content. This way, if I'm ever searching like Gamer Girl video in Telegram, because it is a searchable channel, it's going to bring up all the places where I said Gamer Girl. So versus that, if I put Gamer Girl Safe for Work pick, it will then hop and bring my chat up to where I had posted the Gamer Girl Safe for Work pick. So that's why I like to name things before I necessarily put them in Telegram, just because I want to be able to search them and find them really, really easily. Lacey's comment was that she was just going to suggest a platform called Everything for PC for searching and indexing and managing files. It's free and it makes searching content so much easier. That's a really good tip. I've never heard of Everything for PC. I work between a Mac and a PC. My gaming setup is on my PC, but because of my large like monitors for the gaming setup, I typically prefer to work at my desk at the PC, even though all my stuff and most of what I do is on my iPhone which is probably why I end up doing this Telegram process to transfer things between PC and Mac easier. But that's really good to know. So again, if you're listening and you're a PC user, the program is called Everything for PC, and it will help you search, index, and manage your files, and it's completely free. That's awesome feedback. Thank you so much, Lacey. Appreciate you. Um, let me just go back to the comments and make sure I didn't miss anything else. Great. So it looks like I've got all the comments here covered, unless anyone else wants to come up and contribute anything that's helped them. But next week, I want to focus completely on just time management. So if you're struggling to get everything done in your creator business or just finding ways to optimize and streamline tasks, make sure you tune in and I will see you there. See you squad. Thank you so much for tuning in. It would be absolutely incredible if you rated this podcast five stars and left a little review. We want to get this podcast to as many adult creators as possible. And you taking a second to leave a couple stars and a review really helps us do that. Thanks so much. Who misses free and affordable ads without the anti-sex work rhetoric? 
Assembly 4 is a team of sex workers and technologists from Melbourne, Australia, aiming to bring back free and fair advertising to the sex work community. They also give back to organizations based in harm reduction, sex work, and education, stepping away from the clunky design of traditional platforms. Their platform, Trist.link, is a refreshing and well-needed change in both presentation and mission. It's free to join and open to all. In the words of an A4 user, from the policies to the language to the advice and tips, it makes such a big difference to feel supported and encouraged instead of policed.